I've been preaching a series for the last four weeks. This is the fourth week on the altar. And um, we're going to finish that series today. I pray certainly we're not finished with the altar, amen. But we're finished with this series on the altar. And just while you're getting settled and turning there, you know, the altar is a meeting place with God. And we, we wanted to look in the, in the Bible. What does the Bible say about the altars that were in the Bible? Okay, and there's even altars mentioned in the book of Revelation that are in heaven. What does the Bible say about the altar and its purpose? And what does the Bible say when we speak of this altar? You know, we have this wooden uh, kneeling bench up here that we call our altar. And it's open anytime. In fact, you don't have to wait till the sermon's over if God's moved upon your heart and you want to meet with the Lord. It represents, okay, a meeting place with God. There's nothing magical about the wood or anything like that. But knowing what we know from the Scriptures, we see a picture of what God has given us about the altar. And there are two types of altars that primarily that we see in the Bible. In fact, the only two types that I see are there's an altar of sacrifice where there was a blood sacrifice that was offered. Both these altars, by the way, uh, typify Christ. Both the altars speak of Christ. And so uh, the blood sacrifice was to be brought and offered up on the altar to God in the Old Testament sacrifices. uh, God commanded Moses and gave him a pattern for the tabernacle and a pattern for the altar. And and what was to be offered and how it was to be offered and who was to offer it unto the Lord. And if you were approaching that tabernacle, the first thing you would see when you entered that outer court would be this brazen altar or the altar of sacrifice. You couldn't go on into deeper fellowship with God unless you first passed that. Well, that represents the blood of Jesus and what He did for us when He died on the cross. Every man's got to come that way. You don't have to come to the Lord, but if you're going to come, you're going to come that way. Amen? And you're going to come through the blood of Jesus. And so that altar, that first altar represented everything in the tabernacle. It wasn't just wasted. It wasn't just oh, a bunch of religious duties and things like that. It all typified Christ. It all painted a portrait or a picture of Jesus Christ and His coming and what He would do for mankind. And He died on the cross for the sins of the world. So we talked about the brazen altar and the fire upon it because it was to be a burnt offering. And fire speaks of judgment. And then we uh, talked about last week about the golden altar or the altar of incense, which was inside the tabernacle. Yeah, inside the tabernacle, right next to the Ark of the Covenant, uh, right next to the mercy seat where God said he would meet. What does that represent? It represented that meeting place with God, that communion, that fellowship with God. There weren't burnt sacrifices on that altar. What was there? There was continual incense that was burned that represented the prayers of the saints. And it typified Christ as well. That, that altar represented Christ and His ministry that He currently has. He's not on the cross anymore. He doesn't have to go to the cross anymore. He died once and once and for all, the Bible says. And He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's coming back again one day in power to, to reign and rule. He's going to rapture His church before that. But what is He doing right now? He has a ministry as well for the saints of God. For those that came to the brazen altar, so to speak, and came to the cross of Jesus and met the Lord by faith, have been washed in His blood. That's every true born again man or woman of God. What is Jesus doing in addition now for us? At the right hand of the Father, He says He ever lives to intercede for us. 
So he's pleading for us. We have an intercessor. That's a go-between. That's an advocate between. There's one God and one uh, mediator, one man, between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. And so he is in that place on our behalf, and we can call upon the Lord. So when we talk about coming to the altar now as a born-again person, I don't have to come and get saved again, but the altar is a meeting place between God and man. And so I come continually, not just on church days, and not certainly just to this altar here, but it would include this. We come and we meet with God. How do we meet with Him? We meet in Christ. We come through the blood of Jesus. We come, that's the way, but now by the new and living way, the Bible says, because He's not a dead God. He's a risen Savior. And He's interceding, ever living to intercede for us. And so I just want to, it's a beautiful uh, picture to me of the, the altars and how it t- both are typified or both are fulfilled in Christ. And so I'm not an Old Testament believer. We live on this side of the cross. Jesus has come. He's finished that first work. He is uh, in his second work as far as at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. But, but I don't throw out the Old Testament. It's the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so um, I want us to read this in Leviticus. We're going to wrap up our, our series today on this, on the altar. Leviticus 1, we're going to read 1 through 9. And this will be our, our main text today. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying... Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. It is, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement as our covering for him. The blood of Jesus made atonement for our sins, but he also did more than what the blood of animal sacrifices could do, and that the blood of Jesus has washed us from our sins. We're truly forgiven, and our hearts have been sprinkled from an evil conscience by the blood of Jesus, and we're clean inwardly. It's not just a covering that God accepts. It is a covering that God accepts, but the blood of Jesus is much more than that. It's a thorough cleansing inside. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest Aaron's sons shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash with water and the priest shall burn all. This is what we're talking about today. The priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. All of it was to be placed. If it was an offering unto the Lord, And it was brought, it was to be done God's way, by God's people, in His time, His way. Everything according to the Word of God. It's not just any way we choose. We've talked about that. We don't approach God any way we choose. We come through the blood of Jesus. Okay? You don't come any way you want. 
This is, you know, pick whatever flavor ice cream you want and whatever things, whatever you're going to eat for lunch today when church is over, and that's fine. You know, but we're not going to come to God and truly meet with Him and worship Him and enter His heaven anyway, but then other than His way. It's going to be through the blood of Jesus. I'm glad, as I've said many times, that it's simple. I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. I'm glad it's not vague. I'm glad I'm not left groping in the dark. What saith the Scriptures? Well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so we come through the blood of Jesus. But what we're talking about today is, is it says there in that last, in verse uh, 9, that all was to be burnt. Okay, always to be burnt. And I'm just going to read some scriptures for, for time's sake. I'll tell you where they're coming from. Exodus 29.18 and Leviticus 8.21. And it says that thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord and a sweet smelling savor an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It says in Leviticus 8.21, and he washed the inwards and the legs in water and Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. And so the altar speaks of Christ. And, and I can tell you this, that, that we're to bring all to Christ. We're, we're to lay all upon that altar of sacrifice. We are to bring all upon that altar and lay it there. And all must be offered to God. It all of your life and my life, it all must be dedicated to God. It all must be consecrated to God. And speaking of it in terms of Christ, everything in our life must be under the blood of Jesus. Everything in our lives must, must be given wholly, in the sense of completely, unto the Lord. Without reservation, without strings attached, we must give ourselves fully to God. And it, uh, it's, it's like we were singing it's, it's like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Have me, take me, me, all of me. We come to the altar. Certainly at salvation, we give our life to Christ, right? And He purchases us with His blood and we belong to Him. But I believe there's daily, and we'll talk about this more as we go, our continual giving of ourselves over to God. Because we'll be going through life and God will show us things that we thought were under the blood as a believer, okay? Our thought, we thought we had dedicated to God and, and He'll reveal things in our life that we've been holding back. Didn't realize it. And then He, by His Holy Spirit, begins to, and by the Word of God, begins to deal with us about it. It must be brought to the Lord. That whole offering has to be brought to the Lord. And, and think about it. Isn't this what Jesus did for us on Calvary? Think about what Jesus did on the cross. And this is not a whole preaching on the cross, a sermon on the cross, but think about what the Lord did for us. The Son of God, the eternal Son of God became flesh and He died on the cross. Now He rose again the third day, but He gave His life, amen, to be the Savior of the world. He laid His life down. The whole thing. To redeem mankind from sin and the grip of sin and death. He didn't, and I know you know this, but I'm saying it anyway. The Lord de Jesus didn't just get wounded and take a blow for us. You understand what I'm saying? He laid down His life for us. He was wounded for our transgressions, but He was wounded unto death. A lamb led to the slaughter is what Isaiah says. And He breathed His last breath into thy hands I commit my spirit. He prayed and then He died. 
And so he, he didn't, he was crucified, dead, and buried. And it says in Revelation, this is in, in heaven. And behold, Revelation 5, 6, I'll just read it. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes and so forth. And so that's speaking of Christ. He was died for our sins. I'm making a simple point, but the point is we're talking about the altar. And all has to be given to Christ. Well, He gave all for us. He laid down His life. He didn't, wasn't just wounded. He didn't just get beat up really badly, although He did get beat. Um, he, he didn't uh, just go to prison for us and take a prison term for us, a 10-year sentence or a 15-year sentence or something like that. He died for us. Uh, he didn't uh, start some... Uh, big uh, lead lead some big revolution and die as a martyr, you know, in some big uprising. He died for our sins. He willingly chose to lay down his life. No man took his life for him. In love, he gave it. He laid it down for us to be the sacrifice unto death for the sins of the world, the Lamb of God. And that's the final sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice that ever had to be made for sin. What Jesus did was enough. It's enough for all eternity past. It's enough for present. It's enough for all eternity future. That one sacrifice of that one life and that blood that was shed unto death on the cross, the Father says, I accept. That's enough. Don't go any further. It would be an insult. It would be vanity and wouldn't accomplish anything. Plus, it would be an insult and arrogance on our part to think we could add to the perfection of Christ and the sacrifice that He made. We're saved by grace through faith. So it was enough. And if a man will have Jesus, Jesus must have that man. This is what we're talking about today. If a man will have Jesus, I receive Christ, then then Christ must have the man or the woman or the young person. That Jesus must have that man, not in part, but in whole. The whole ram Whatever was offered on that sacrifice in the tabernacle days was to be burnt. The whole thing. We read three scriptures saying that. Okay? And if somebody's going to be born of the Spirit of God and saved, then Christ must have that whole man. The only way is through faith in Jesus and that sacrifice. But the whole life of that coming sinner must come to that brazen altar, so to speak, and, and understand, I mean that in typifying Christ and, and on the cross and be given to the Lord. The Lord cannot and will not redeem part of a man. You've never seen that happen. He doesn't re- re- redeem half of a man. He doesn't receive, redeem 99% of a man. He redeems the whole man. He doesn't sanctify just one area of the life and leave the rest to the world. Or to the God of this world. It may take a while to be sanctified fully to the Lord. I understand that. But His purpose is that that whole man, that whole woman, that came to Him by faith, be His fully. Belong to the Lord. That whole life be purchased. That whole life be redeemed. There's not, no such thing as a half a Christian. You know, Paul was in prison and, and ministering to Felix and preaching the Gospel to him one-on-one. And when he preached to him of righteousness and temperance and the fear of God and the judgment to come, the Bible says that Felix trembled and said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Paul said, man, I wish, I wish you weren't almost, but I wish you were all the way 
like me. Except for these chains I'm wearing. I wish you were all the way like me. You know what? There's, that's a simple and but a, a profound truth. You don't take half of Jesus and take half of the world. I'll take half of Jesus and some other religion. I'll take half of Jesus and I'll be the other half will just be a good old boy like my friends or something like that. No, we take the Lord or we don't take the Lord. You take Him or you don't take Him. And He has you or He doesn't have you. You know, now there's a lifetime of growing in the Lord, immaturing, and we're not perfect from the day we're saved. I've sinned plenty of times since I've been saved. I come and I'm forgiven and I keep walking with Jesus. But He has me, if you know what I mean. I'm not going back. I may stumble and fall, but I'm not going some other way. I'm going this way. I'm going all the way. I've stumbled plenty of times and brought Him shame plenty of times, but I'm not getting off the road. I'm going this way and I'm keeping my eyes on the Lord and He knows how to bring me through. But if God's going to have me, He's going to have all of me. And sometimes we might think, we might not say it out loud, but we might say it in wrestling with God. Certainly, Lord, You don't intend to take this from me. You don't intend for me to lay and you fill in the blank. Such and such on the altar. Certainly you don't intend for me to lay Isaac on the altar. But he did, didn't he? He did intend for Abraham to lay, lay Isaac on the altar. Now he spared him, but he still gave him, didn't he? He was as good as dead. And the Lord raised him basically from the dead. That was a type of Christ. He didn't kill him, but in his mind he was resigned to do it. He laid his Isaac on the altar. And we say, certainly God, you wouldn't require this of me. Yes, He requires it of you. And He requires it of me. He requires all of it of us. He gives us the strength to do it. Okay? Or we couldn't do it and wouldn't do it. But He does. Certainly you don't want me to give all of my friends. I know they don't know the Lord. But certainly you don't want to lay my friends up on that altar and give them to you. Yes, He does. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, that's not a believer or not walking with God, certainly you don't want me to lay them on the altar. Yes, He does. All must be placed on the altar. You don't have to choose Christ. But if you do choose Christ, He's going to have it all. And guess what? He deserves it all. And then what do you get in return? All of Him. All things that are freely given to us in Christ. Boy, that's a good exchange, isn't it? That's a good deal that the Lord makes with us. Certainly, you don't, that, that, you don't attempt for me to lay my, my dreams that I had before I got saved of what I wanted to do in life. You don't want me to lay that on the altar. Yes, He does. He might give it back to you. It's like He gave Isaac back to Abraham. But He wants you to lay it there, I can promise you. And mean it. Not just in some type of show. Lay it there. And let Him give it back if He wants to give it back. And that's what He has for your life. He'll do it and it'll be better than it was before. But He does intend for you to lay it there. Uh, there's an exchange that happens in true salvation. I'm not talking about church going. I'm talking about born again experience. There's an ex exchange that takes place or a transaction. It's very real. We die and He lives. That's real. That is just Christianity 101. That's, that's just... True salvation, not church going, not joining a youth group. That's salvation, being born of the Spirit of God. It's a work of God. Salvation is of the Lord. I can't make myself do that. I can come by faith to Jesus and believe what the gospel says and believe his saving gospel and call upon the Lord to save me. Do everything your word says about salvation, Lord. I'm just believing it. I'm laying the simple childlike faith. I've got faith is a grain of mustard seed, which is the tiniest, puniest one of all. But I have that much faith and it's real. 
The Lord knows if it's real and He'll save us. It's a work of God. It's a miracle. There's not a greater miracle. Creating the earth and, and all of creation in six days is not a bigger miracle than one man turning from sin and turning to God and being born again. Not a bigger miracle than that. But it's a real transaction where we die and He lives. And the Bible says, Paul said, for I am crucified with Christ. We know the Scripture so well. Psalms about it. We know it by heart. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's one or the other. It's a transaction. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm dead, yet I live. But it's not my life. It's Christ's life in me. There was something that took place at salvation. It's a miracle of God. It's a transaction. The whole life is redeemed. Not part of it. The whole life's under the blood of Jesus. And so we see this. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and look at this at Romans chapter 6. Gosh, one of, one of the most wonderful chapters in the whole Bible that just breaks down uh, this new life we have in Christ and dying to the self and so forth is Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verses 9 through 11 today. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more, death had no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's read verses 3-5 through five at the beginning of that chapter. What know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. You don't have to come, but if you do come, that's what's going to happen. It's a wonderful thing. It's, we're, we're planted in the likeness of His death first. The cross, His cross, my cross, His death, my death. He died for my sins. He took my place. And identify with Him in that death. And I also am able to be a recipient. Uh, and it's a work of God and nothing but. Uh, uh, of this newness of life. Of the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Raises us to newness of life and the gift of eternal life. So again, a man doesn't have to come. But if he comes, he's going to come this way. He's going to come by the way of the cross. And if our body's going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be shared with symbol of Satan at the same time or some other God. It's going to be His. Not that we're perfect. He is perfecting us. He's working on us day by day. But again, the Lord helps us. But the altar is a place of sacrifice for the worshipers of God. I want to read this story from a missionary. This one pastor was talking about a missionary friend of his that uh, was going, had come for like a little sabbatical. He was going back to the mission field in Japan uh, I don't know what even what era this was in. I think the late 1800s. And he was returning back to the mission field, but he was seeking from God a fresh anointing. I can understand that, like a fresh new fire in his life, a fresh new uh, anointing from the Lord. And this is a quoting, quoting from this missionary. The Lord searched my heart and my possessions to see if anything had become dearer to me than Himself. He kept, and the Lord kept asking this missionary this question. Lovest thou me more than these? Remember, that's what the Lord asked Peter, right? 
Peter, you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. <coughs> Lovest thou me more than these? Or for this missionary, the these, who was his wife and his boy. He had one son. He hesitated. He said, I felt as though the Lord had laid before me an execution warrant and wanted me to sign it. There was a terrible fight in my heart. Surrender meant death. After a long struggle, and by His grace, I made the surrender, and I did it with the fullest expectation that it meant the end of their earthly lives. He really thought the Lord was leading him to give his wife and child, which he was, and that he was, they were going to die. And so he, he surrenders to the Lord. After a few weeks while returning to our little Japanese house alone, the thought flashed into my mind as he's approaching the house. The boy is sick. He was all right when I left home, healthy and well. When I arrived home, my wife came and welcomed me and she said, Gordon is sick. I said, I knew it. He's come at last. Then there came the agonized struggle. Lovest thou me? Me more than the boy? He said, but I had won the victory. So with a heavy heart, I went up to the lad to say goodbye. He lay on his bed, his little white face against the pillow, pillow desperately ill. There I realized that the only surrender, and this is this sermon today, y'all, the only surrender which truly counts is the surrender unto death. I was able to say out of full honesty of heart, thy will is best, Lord. I would rather have thy will than anything on earth. What happened then? It happened to me as with Abraham when he brought his son to the place of surrender unto death on Mount Moriah. God gave back his, him back his boy and mine. Let us be willing to bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. The Lord gave him back his son, but he did require him to give it. Okay? The only surrender that counts. This man came to realize, and I would agree with that, is the surrender unto death. Where you're really giving it over. Lord, I give you my children. I give them to you. Now you've entrusted me as a steward to raise them and to pour Christ into them and love and care for them. And you're my example of a heavenly father. Okay? But I give them to you. I put them in your hands. And that's where they're going to stay. And that's the safest place to be. And the only surrender that counts is that unto death. We know the scripture, but I want to read it because I want to talk about it for a little while. If you're still in Romans, you can flip over to chapter 12, verse 1. You can quote it with me. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm doing a series on the altar, okay? You present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That word present is a verb. It's an action word. And what is it saying? It means to stand, to stand beside, to exhibit, to recommend, to give, to be at hand, to be ready for command, to yield. So I'm bringing myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice saying, I'm at your command. I'm ready for your command. I'm yielding to you. I'm giving myself. It says your body's a living sacrifice. Men are to bring now, not a blood sacrifice of an animal as was required in the, the Old Covenant. We are to bring instead our born-again lives. This is written to believers. Okay, Our born-again lives, our bodies, 
and present them, so to speak, at the altar of sacrifice to the Lord, wholly acceptable to God. And the, and the scriptures say that's our reasonable service. So think about it. Reasonable service means logical or rational. Believers have been bought with a price. We truly belong to the Lord. He purchased us. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. So we are to one time give ourselves to Christ as Savior and come to Him for salvation. And we are to continually give ourselves to Christ Jesus who gave Himself for us. And guess what? It's not unreasonable. It's perfectly reasonable because He purchased us with His blood. And also, y'all, this is not some casual, accidental thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just, I don't know if I've done that or not. I guess I'd just do that when I live life. You know, as a believer, this was a purposeful, uh, intentional thing where I'm giving myself to God as a living sacrifice. It's a planned event. It's conscious. It's planned. It's done with great reverence, reverence towards the Lord. I'll just read this, but I'm reading from Luke 2.22 when Mary and Joseph had baby Jesus and uh, they brought him to the temple. It says, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So just picture that. They, they didn't live in Jerusalem. That was, they had to make an intentional, obedient, you know what I mean, plan to say, okay, it's the time that we bring baby Jesus, our son, and present him to the Lord. And so it was thought out. They had to bring two turtle doves and offer them because in this kind of thing, we could read, read more about it. But the point was, it wasn't accidental or haphazard. It was intentional. It was purpose. They presented him to the Lord. Okay? Gave him to the Lord. And one of the other definitions in, in, with this present, the same word we use for Jesus in Luke 2.22 as is in Romans 12.1. Same word, presenting to the Lord, okay? Uh, it's a place of one's disposal. Disposal. To surrender, to place at one's disposal. To surrender, to offer as a sacrifice uh, offerings to God. And so it's, it's a thoughtful thing where you say, Lord, I intentionally and purposefully today place myself in your hands. I give myself and all that I am and all that I have the best that I can is with a clear conscience and sincerely and honestly as I can today, I give myself to you in all that I am, am and have. I intentionally place myself uh, wholeheartedly in your care, in your hands. I'm at your, I'm your possession and I'm at your disposal. That's really what that means when it says present your bodies a living sacrifice. How often do we really do that? I pray that. You know, I quote a lot of scriptures up here before when I pray. I pray a lot of scriptures, okay? So the way the Lord helps me to pray, and, and I know I'm praying according to the will of God if I'm praying according to the scriptures, amen? But uh, I pray Romans 12 all the time. Lord I, Lord, I give myself to you as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. I pray that. But am I really just throwing up the words in the scripture, which I know to be true, or am I really giving myself to the Lord in that way? At your disposal, Lord. In other words, this day is not my own day. 
uh, you've entrusted me, you know, you made me a steward of, of the things that I have. But I give myself fully to you. And we're not to assume that because we're born again, that this full surrender to God has already taken place. Okay? Don't think just because I'm saved that I'm, everything in my life is fully consecrated and dedicated to God. It's not. All right? It's not in my life and it's not in your life, but we can grow in that. And we grow in it and we, we learn because as we walk with the Lord, as I said earlier, I'm walking with God and I feel like I'm doing pretty good. And I really am sincerely seeking after God and walking with the Lord. And as I'm sincerely walking with the Lord and in His Word, He'll deal with me about something. Just it's an individual. You know what I mean? Individual. It showed me something about my life. Randy, this is not fully given to me. You're still hanging on to that. That's part of that old life. And that serves no purpose in this new life with Christ. You need to dedicate that to me. Or you're still holding on to this dream because all your life from a kid, you wanted to be do this. And now you're saved and you still want to do this. You just want me to help you do it. You still want to do this. You just want me to bless you on your way to do it. I want you to give it to me. I want you to lay it at my feet. And so, it's not that I'm not saved. It's that I can't assume that just because I'm saved that everything is 100% dedicated to God fully. I need to daily examine my heart, daily meet with God. Everything about our walk with God is daily, isn't it? It's daily. You get saved one time. But we walk with God daily. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we come before the Lord and we, He deals with us daily and we surrender daily. Amen. All the time. You're at work and somebody that just pushes your button or one of your children that pushes your button or your spouse and it's rising up within you. That's just another opportunity to die. To surrender something to God. He may have left that there in your life because it's showing that there's something in your life not fully surrendered to Him, that He's wanting you to surrender to Him. And so, uh, just because I'm a believer doesn't mean everything's surrendered to God. He's working that in my life. So there's a place for the altar daily in our life. I guess that would be a point. There's a place daily in, in our lives for the altar. Those Old Testament sacrifice sacrifices were killed, right? They were blood sacrifices, burnt offerings. They could only be offered once. They had to get another animal. But he's telling us as believers, we can give ourselves to God over and over and over and over. And we are to do that. And this is really true. I believe, I believe this is the way it is. There's the one-time big monumental giving of yourself to God where you're lost and don't know Jesus and you come to the Lord and you know He convicts you of your sin and you believe the Gospel and you're crying and weeping and you give your life to Jesus. One big monumental time. There's no doubt that that takes place. It has to take place. But then there's a continual ongoing given ourselves to God. And some of those can be pretty monumental too. We could find ourselves for the last five years straying from the Lord or living in a worldly sense or being selfish as a believer and God's dealing with us and He brings us to a place of brokenness. That's a good thing. So it's ongoing that we, uh, we continually daily yield to God, make a decision for Christ daily, basically. I don't just haphazardly get up and walk through my day. Tomorrow's Monday morning. You don't just get up haphazardly and walk through your life as a believer. You get up and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. 
I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This is your day, God. You may call me home today, but if you give me this whole day, I'm going to live this whole day for you. You might be doing the exact same thing you did last Monday, all right, at work or whatever, but live it for God with the consciousness of God, with a, a, a desire for Him to be glorified, for the desire for Him to use you for His glory and so forth. But it's a constantly uh, yielding to the Lord. Every day as a believer is a new opportunity to further surrender to Christ. Look at it that way. Don't say, oh, it's another day, another Monday. Look at it as another day to surrender more to Christ than you have before. And He'll take it. He'll, he'll take what you surrender, little by little, little piece by piece, whole life you've given to Him, but now little things in your life that you're given to Him. And in exchange, there'll be more power, more of His Spirit, more of His wisdom, more of His love, more of His patience, more of His goodness in our hearts and lives. Uh, it's another day to become more like Jesus, to belong fully to Him. I just want to share this. When Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So he's writing to Christians, right? Writing to Christians. You wouldn't tell that to a lost man. You tell a lost man, give your life to Jesus. You share the gospel with them, right? But I beseech you therefore, brethren, give yourself as a living sacrifice to God. It's your reasonable service. And that word beseech is a word that means to call somebody next to you, get as close to them as you have, as you can get, have their full attention, and then plead with them about something you really want them to hear and know. Like you would pull up, you know, a child that doesn't know the Lord, a rebellious child maybe out there in the world, and, and you say, can you please give me some time? And you pull them to the side with not the radio and the TV and nothing blaring, no friends around, I beg of you, give your life to Jesus. Hear me out. Listen to the gospel. You know it's true. Where you're pleading with them, okay? Or a believer that's gone astray and you're pleading with them. That way is not going to prosper you're bringing heartache and ruin to your life. That's what this means. I beseech you, therefore. And this actually was used, uh, the same term was used when the, uh, the Roman officers were getting ready to send their soldiers out to battle. And they would give them like, I would kind of reckon it like a pep talk that a coach will give before a big game. Okay? These Roman centurions or officers would get their soldiers together. They were under their command, have every other distraction put out, have their full attention, and plead with them and tell them the realities of war, what you're about to face, and the dangers, and the heartaches, and the realities of what you're about to go. But be faithful and fight unto the death. That's what he would say to them. He would get their attention, this could be your last day, but you be faithful and fight unto death. Same word where Paul is beseeching believers, or the Holy Spirit is beseeching believers through the Apostle Paul to surrender to the Lord in that way daily. It's our reasonable service. This is what it's like. Give yourself to Christ. This is not a matter of convenience. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close. We don't, here's what I mean by that. We don't present ourselves to Christ as a living sacrifice when we feel like it when our feelings line up with it. We don't present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God when we feel it's a convenient time. We don't only present ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord when we're feeling really spiritual. Well, they sang my favorite song and I got goosebumps on the back of my neck and that was so blessed and wonderful and it's just a song I needed. Thank God. At times like that, we feel really spiritual and we feel like uh, surrendering everything to God. 
But you know what? We're to do it all the time. The just are to live by faith. I don't live by my feelings. Because sometimes I feel very unspiritual. Sometimes I, they're not playing my favorite song. Sometimes I don't, you know, or, or you're with your favorite, uh, you're with your, your peers. You know, let's say you're a teenager. Now I'm, with, I'm at a, a youth retreat. Everybody's about my age and they're singing youth kind of songs and everything's real youthy and, and uh, I'm feeling real excited about Jesus and they're over there crying in this corner and they're crying over, oh, I'm just giving myself to Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. But we're to give ourselves like, like that to the Lord daily. 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 <coughs> I always say grow up. I say it to myself, grow up. We live by faith, not by those feelings. We don't present ourselves a living sacrifice to God because it's convenient or we felt really spiritual today. That was my favorite song, my favorite preacher, my favorite sermon. No, we give ourselves to the Lord daily because it's our reasonable service. Because He saved me. Because He purchased me with His blood. Because He's God. Because He's real. Because anything else is a waste. Anything else is un... Uh, it doesn't bring God glory. Anything else is less than what I'm called to give and to, to present to God. I also say this, we don't present ourselves as living sacrifices to God only when He has answered our biggest prayer on our prayer list. Now, I just want that to sink into me for a while and for you. You might have been praying something for years. You have a lost loved one that doesn't know Jesus, a lost spouse, a lost child, or something big that you've been, it's really big. And, and when God answers that prayer, then I will surrender everything to the Lord. Well, if you're born again, then you already belong to Him. And whether He answers that prayer or not, this side of heaven, you are to give yourself a living sacrifice to God. And so am I. It's my reasonable service. Well, no, Lord, when, when, uh, you know, when you heal my, my child, they're really, really sick, or my spouse, they got cancer. When you heal them, and now I'm feeling really good about God, then I surrender everything to the Lord. That's not how it works. When you bless me with that raise or some sales or some bonuses or that new job or when I get an A on my test that I've been studying so hard for, when I get that spouse that I've been praying for because I want to get married soon and you bring me that, when you do that, then I'm going I'm to give all to you. That's not how that works. If you're saved, then you belong to Him and so do I. The blood of Jesus purchased me. That word is used. Purchased. Okay, you're bought with a price. It says in 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know you've been bought with a price and you're not your own? Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which belongs to God. And so we have to understand that the Lord is the rightful owner of my life. And all needs to be placed on that altar. And all needs to be given genuinely to the Lord. I'm going to close with two illustrations. And we'll be done this morning. There was uh, F.B. Meyer, was a uh, man of God, uh, was, was saying, and I've shared this, this story before, it's his story, his example. He'd been saved for years, a minister of the gospel for many years, baptized in the Holy Spirit for years, but the Lord was dealing with him about there was an area in his life that was not dedicated to God. It's like a little, little, part in his heart that was off limits to the Lord. He never says what it was in the book. It doesn't really matter. That's his testimony. Amen. But I can relate. 
uh, there's a little, there's, he goes, it was like, it's like there's this little door in my heart. God said to Edward, you won't let me in there. He was saved, love the Lord, minister the gospel. This is reality though, y'all. Uh, there's a little door in your heart and you won't let me in there. And he says, I can't. I just can't. I don't know what it was. He was holding on to it tightly, afraid to give it to God, right? Afraid to lay the Isaac on the altar. He says, I can't. He says, but I tell you what, Lord, if here's the key. He says, key is in my hand. If, if you'll take it and open it, it'll be yours. You. you take it. And God took it. And God came in in that little area of his life. I don't know what it was. I don't care what it was. But I've had things like that in my life and I probably will have more. And you say, I can't even give it to God. Can you ask Him to take it? Amen. Say, Lord, if you can take it, it's yours. And mean that and see if He can't take it. And you know what He'll do? He'll put it in its right place. Because in the, in the heart should only be Christ, if you know what I'm saying. And then He can put it, that thing back. And He put Isaac back in the right place. He gave Isaac back to Abraham. But He put Isaac back in the right place. And the Lord had Abraham fully his. Completely his. So I want to, I want to close with this. And who's ever open, uh, leading the altar can come. I mentioned this scripture. It's from the Psalms. Psalm 118. It says, let, let us be willing to bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Let us be willing to do that. Okay? We shall be forced to cry out again and again. I'm reading a quote from a book. As we fear the fire and feel the sacrificial knife, bind me, blessed Savior, as a sacrifice. Fasten me with thy cords of constraining love, lest I finish my course with shame. Let me not begin to make provision anywhere for the flesh. Let my offering continue to be a burnt offering, a whole burnt offering, yea, a continual burnt offering. Let me never come down from the cross to save myself. Fix me, fasten me, bind me with thine own cords to Calvary, a continual burnt offering. And I would say the altars are open, that we would learn. I'm not saying I'm perfected in this. Please don't think I am. And then I'm preaching to y'all and not to me. This is the Word of God, though. It's for all of us. And there are things in our life, if not today, then He'll show us something tomorrow. I promise you, He will. That we need to learn to be in the habit and the practice of sincere, by faith, presenting ourselves at the altar to God, giving ourselves, not because it's the right phrase to say and the right Scripture to say, but because it's the right way to live and what He's called us to live. He will help us. Lord, if You'll take it, it's Yours. Here's the little key. I can't too coward or weak to even open this door and give it to You, but if You'll take the key and open it, it's Yours. He will do it. He will do it. These altars are open right here where you can make an altar at your chair. But let's spend some time before we rush out and get lunch just to meet with the Lord and let the Word of God that He has spoken to our hearts have a place. Let Him sink down deep in there and get a hold of something where we're really changed. We're changed beyond just this morning and when the feelings wear off. That we're really changed the way God wants to change us.